So we're going to go through 11 Proverbs before Ben comes up and shares the word. Proverbs 7, 17, 17. A friend loves at all times, and a brother is, a, is born for a time of adversity. 18.24, a man of many companions may come to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. 25 verse 17, seldom set foot in your neighbor's house, too much of you and they will hate you. 25.20, like one who takes away a garment on a cold day or like vinegar poured on a wound is one who sings songs to a heavy heart. 26, 18 to 19. Like a maniac shooting flaming arrows of death is one who deceives their neighbor and says, I was only joking. 27, 5 to 6. Better is open rebuke than hidden love. Wounds from a friend can be trusted, but an enemy multiplies kisses. 27, verse 9. Perfume and incense bring joy to the heart. And the pleasantness of a friend springs from their heartfelt advice. 27.14 If anyone loudly blesses their neighbor early in the morning, it will be taken as a curse. 27.17 As iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. 28.23 Whoever rebukes a person will in the end gain favor rather than one who has a flattering tongue. And 29 verse 5, those who flatter their neighbours are spreading nets for their feet. Thanks, Tom. There are a lot of them, and um, unfortunately I'm actually using more than that. So um, I'll have some of them up on the slides, but um, we'll just see how we go, hey? Um, good evening. Nice to be here with you guys. Um, who here was at man camp this week? It's like two, two people... I think we're pretty tired from it, I won't lie, um, it was a pretty big weekend, but um, just to get us all on the same page, we finished our series on spiritual vitality last week, and um, Larry just gave me the choice of preaching on whatever I wanted to tonight, so um, I decided that I wanted to look at the idea of friendship in the book of Proverbs. Um, it's something that's been really challenging to me, and I'm really excited to share it with you guys as well. Um, I'm interested, have you guys ever spent much time in the book of Proverbs? Um, I won't lie to you, I haven't. Um, it feels like a kind of weird book. It's full of all these kind of disjointed sayings. And as Tom read out, like all these verses we're looking at are in 20 different chapters of Proverbs. It kind of seems like it's why they all kind of weirdly scattered all over the place. And some of them seem really strange. We've got a first verse. I've got to think of the three of the strangest ones. A man of many companions may come to ruin. That seems strange. Seldom set foot in your neighbor's house. Too much of you and they will hate you. Those who flatter their neighbors are spreading nets for their feet. Some of these verses are, are pretty strange, but um, I recently heard someone talking about the difference between uh, wisdom and moral law. Sometimes God gives us the Ten Commandments. He gives us solid, rigid, like, blocks to tell us exactly what he does or doesn't want. Um, don't kill, don't worship other gods, um, love your neighbor, don't have sex before marriage. And I'm sure you know there's millions of situations where those rules are kind of gray as well. Life is tricky and complicated, and what does don't have sex before marriage mean in all these kind of different complicated ways? But both rules and wisdom are designed to help us to know how God has designed our lives to live. I love that, that passage that Jack shared. God actually wants us to like have a life that is amazing. Proverbs is there to help us 
know what that is. But unlike law, wisdom is being so in touch with reality that we know what the right thing is in the hundreds and millions and thousands of situations where there's no clear rules. The vast majority of your decisions will not have a yes, do this, or don't do that. You need wisdom. So the point that I'm trying to make is that Proverbs is a book. God has inspired it to help us know how he wants us to live in all the complexities of life. And today we're going to be talking about friendship. And uh, we're talking about friendship because it's an idea that keeps coming back and back and back into my life. And um, conversations all over the place just seem to be full of this stuff, especially for young adults. Um, uh, Just in the car trip earlier today, we were driving home from man camp. And for pretty much the entire car trip, we were just talking about what does it mean to be a good friend? What does it look like? Why is it important? And uh, we had an awesome chat. And I'd love to have a chat with every single one of you instead of preaching, but this is kind of the next best thing. So um, I'm hoping now to give you a glimpse of what the Bible says about friendship, to hopefully help you see why it's important, and then to encourage you guys to have conversations afterwards. And again, I think this is a particular challenge for young adults because we're kind of moving out of a stage where friendship's an automatic thing. It's kind of just organic. In high school, you're surrounded with like hundreds of different people and you kind of just choose the ones that you like and just kind of go through life and and friendships just happen. You spend enough time around people that pretty good friendships develop, but as soon as you start getting out of those situations, you need to be really intentional. As young adults, we have less time, we have less opportunity, we have more things that are demanding our attention. If we aren't really careful with who we're friends with, how we're good friends... The Bible actually says it's a dangerous game. Here's just a few verses on the next slide. Proverbs 13, 20, and there's more Proverbs here that Tom didn't read. Walk with the wise and become wise, for a companion of fools suffers harm. The righteous choose their friends carefully, but the way of the wicked leads them astray. And it's not just Proverbs, but in Corinthians again. Do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. Seriously, these verses preach themselves. There's not much more I can say to them. Friends bring a unique value to your life, but they also safeguard you from harm. Really simple, but it's huge. It's so important. So again, my hope for this time is to biblical idea of what friendship is, help us to be way more intentional about being a good friend as well as choosing a good friend and to hopefully encourage you guys to have a conversation. So if that sounds good, we're going to look at this collection of um, proverbs um, scattered throughout all the different chapters, and I've kind of given them three different categories. I'm going to call them the the three marks of true friendship. Um, But first, we're just going to pray. So um, if you want to just join me in prayer. Lord God, I just want to ask you for wisdom right now, for me to speak your word and for us to all listen and actually be able to hear what you're trying to tell us. Help us to understand this book of Proverbs. I pray that you empower us to be on a journey of of becoming better friends and to be wise in how we invest our lives into friendships. Help us to understand this truth here so that we will know how good your design is and how much you actually crazily love us. Amen. Beautiful. So I've gotten three marks of true friendship. They're right here. Um, They're kind of just three titles of clumps of different proverbs. They're not the amazing bit. The amazing bit is the verses. Um, So they've got consistency, careful connectivity, and candor. And we're going to look through these pretty quickly, and there's heaps more that we could go to, but we're just going to focus on a few little ideas. Um, Beautiful. So consistency, first one. 
I think this one's pretty obvious, but I think it's probably also the most challenging for me. And we've just got two verses here. A friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for a time of adversity. A friend of many companions may come to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. I want to pick up on that word all at the start. A friend loves at all times. All here isn't saying at every moment of every single day. It's, it's talking about all kinds of different times. All different times. It's easy to be a friend when it's convenient. It's easy to be a friend when it's fun. It's easy to be a friend when you're around people. But a true friend is there when it's not easy. A true friend makes time and takes time to be in your life. This is sacrifice. It's choosing to give you their availability. It's choosing to sacrifice free time to be present for you. But it's also more than just availability. The next verse there says that there's a difference between a companion and a friend. Just because you keep someone's company doesn't mean that you're a friend. Proximity isn't enough. Uh, personally, growing up in church, I know how it feels to be around a hundred different people then and feel like you like them and get along well and, okay, we're automatically friends, right? To be around a lot of people but to still feel lonely. To get along with a lot of people but still not have that deeper sense of friendship. The word here, sticks, actually also gets translated as cleaves in other verses. And um, the original word kind of means a commitment out of a passionate love. It's a choice, a commitment. And just imagine now for a moment what it actually looks like to be stuck to someone, to be stu to stuck to someone else. It's like the emotional version of being Siamese twins with them. Constant friends are always there for each other, always available, but they also let each other into their lives. I'm straying kind of into the next little connection bit here, but I'll just kind of share a little touch of it. True friends are willing to be real. They're willing to be vulnerable. They're not holding up walls to each other. That's what it means to stick to someone, to be vulnerable, to open up and say, I'll come in, you can see all of me. Maybe the biggest challenge in my life has been loneliness. And, and I've always had those tons of people around, like I said, but never really felt like I've deeply connected with that many people. I was always looking for someone that was like willing to stick to me. And I didn't realize that I wasn't really ready to stick to someone else. I was always waiting for that perfect person to come along, that, that best friend. And I wasn't ready to be that best friend to someone else. And maybe you're feeling similar today. Maybe you're longing for that best friend, but I think I, I want to challenge you to twist it, to, to think how can you start being that best friend for someone else? To start getting ready to say, I want to be vulnerable and open to someone, to let someone into my life and to actually meet that need in someone else. So consistency is both availability and being willing to be your authentic self. And that means vulnerability, which is hard and, and not hiding. And I love little practical challenges, so I'm going to give you kind of two every chapter. I think it's just up here. Um, hopefully this is just a little spark of something that might translate into your week. Do you wait for your friends to ask for help, or are you making an effort to be there for them? 
Are you regularly checking in with them, touching base, whatever it looks like? Sending them a Facebook message. Do they know, know that you are available for them? And the second one is, are you holding back secrets, hiding from them, pretending to be someone who you're not really? Because if you're not, you're not inviting them to stick to you. You might have prospects for a companion, but not for a true friend. Beautiful. So the next one we're looking at is careful connectivity. And we've got some more verses up on the board, I'm hoping. Beautiful, thank you. So I won't read these again because Tom already read them, but I want you to think that why Solomon, the writer of Proverbs, picks these. Is it bad to go to your neighbor's house? Is it bad to make jokes? Is it bad to bless your neighbor? Or is it bad to sing songs? Of course not. As, as, a, kid, I, I, as a kid growing up, um, I, I used to talk a lot, and not a lot has changed there, but I'd often get in trouble in class or, or whatever it was. And I remember my dad sitting down and telling me that there is a time and place for everything. Wisdom is knowing what works where. And this is the case right here for these passages. If you don't know how often you're allowed to go to your neighbor's house, or if you don't know what jokes work with them, or if you don't know when you're allowed to bless them, or if they're a morning person, or whatever it is, you're not connecting with them. You're actually not understanding what's going on inside of them. You don't know them well enough. I'll uh, just quickly share a story that might make me look a little bit bad, but I uh, recently went to a wedding with a friend from my high school, and um, while we were just together, I made a dumb, thoughtless joke, and I kind of like teased the job that he has. Um, I kind of said it without even thinking. It was just kind of like an off-the-cuff, in the moment. I regretted it instantly, but it really hurt him. Without realizing, I hadn't seen him for a little while, and he's been in a space where he's been really struggling with his career. He's been trying to kind of pursue a new path and he's kind of really feeling down about the fact that he can't kind of get into this new area. And because I made a a stupid little harmless joke, it actually cut down to something deeper going on inside of him. I want to say that friends that are actually connected, that actually are really aware of what's going on inside of each other's heads, don't make these dumb mistakes. The job of a good friend is to study the other person, to invest time in getting to know them. It sounds weird, but to actually search and identify all the little things that make them tick. And once again, it's not only to understand them, but to also be vulnerable yourself, to let the other person see your flaws and give them the opportunity to open up themselves. People are vulnerable when they know it's a safe place. And they know it's a safe place when you're willing to be vulnerable. You can be a good friend by being vulnerable with people. But you'll always have a hard time getting to know someone fully if you're not willing to let them know you fully. Because deep connection comes from only being truly known. And the last one up there, it says singing songs. And at commentaries, it's actually referring to joyful songs. And um, if you can be happy when your friend is sad, then you're probably not emotionally connected to them. Paul tells us to weep with those who weep and to rejoice with those who rejoice. Emotional connectivity actually ties you to another person. If you can't actually handle sitting and going into someone else's pain, 
just to be willing to journey with them, not to fix anything, but just to be present with them, then you're not going to be able to be that good friend that they need. Cool, so our two challenges. Beautiful. True friends actually seek to try to understand each other, to understand what makes them tick. Are you studying your friends, getting to know them deeply, to find out what's going on inside their head? And the other one is only when you start to feel another person's pain, to know what it feels like it's actually going on inside of them is is when you're really starting to connect with them. When their tears make you cry. Cool, so our last one is um, candor. And uh, if you also had to Google what that word means, it means truth-telling. I did steal these words from someone else, so I won't lie. Um, But this is a pretty old-school word. And these verses are pretty crazy. Better is open rebuke than hidden love. Wounds from a friend can be trusted, but an enemy multiplies kisses. Whoever rebukes a person will in the end gain favor rather than the one who has a flattering tongue. Those who flatter their neighbors are spreading nets for their feet. A lot of them kind of feel very paradoxical, especially that first one, friendly wounds and kisses from an enemy. I wonder if you've ever experienced before, but a friendly wound is when someone's willing to actually tell you something that hurts you. Truth that you need to hear, but it hurts to hear it. And there's a difference between shallow love and deep love. Shallow love might say that I only ever want my friends to be happy. I need them to be happy. I I want them to be happy all the time, so I'm not going to tell them anything hard because I'll bum them out. But a deep love says that I'm willing to risk making someone unhappy in a moment to actually bring them deeper and fuller joy long-term, to give them something that they need to hear. I'll give you a couple of examples, and, and here's an exaggerated one first. Um, you can imagine Tom and I um, playing soccer, and I flatter him so much um, that he believes he's good enough to fly to Europe and play in the English Premier League. He's going to be really happy with me, right? We're going to have a great time together. Imagine then that he goes home, he sells everything that he has, he buys a ticket, and he goes on this one-way trip to Europe. He's going to get there, and he's going to have an awful time. Those who flatter people are setting a net for their feet. I am setting him up for failure. But instead, you can imagine if Tom and I are playing soccer, and he asks me how good he is, and I'm honest, (laughs) it might not be a happy moment together. It might hurt him in a moment. It might sting a little bit. I don't know if it's stinging right now. I think we're all right. Yeah. But even if everyone else is flattering him and still somehow can convince him to go to Europe and he gets there and fails, he'll remember that his one friend who told him the truth actually had his back. Whoever rebukes a person will in the end gain favor. And on a, su- on a really superficial level, we might all really want to be flattered. But I think we know it's only ever really momentary. However, when someone you deeply trust, when someone that you know tells you the truth and doesn't easily throw around flattery, when that person comes and commends something that you do, it sticks with you forever. When someone that you respect tells you something that really matters, it sticks with you. 
So the challenge is that not to listen to flatterers and don't be a shallow flatterer. But know this, that people only care about what you say if they respect you. And flattery doesn't build respect. Proverbs actually tells us the exact opposite. It's when you're willing to tell hard truths. That's what builds respect in people. That's what gains favor. And here's the challenge of candor. Candor and carefulness actually go together. Candor says that you should tell the truth, but carefulness and connectivity says that you should be thinking so much about the other person's head that what you say to them will actually hurt you as well. If you're going to be If you're going to say something that you know is going to hurt them, you better care so much about them that to see them in pain is going to hurt you as well. But you need to know, don't be candid unless you're connected. Don't tell someone painful truth unless you genuinely care about how they're doing. It's a balance. Because all candor tells you that you should arrogantly proclaim the truth and point out everyone's flaws, and all carefulness says that you should never say anything at all. We need a balance. And this one isn't on the slide, but Proverbs 27, 17, as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. Can you picture how iron actually sharpens iron? It clashes against each other. It smooths out bumps and kinks, and when the goal of sharpening, when it's done, it actually has a, a, has a result. When sharpening is done, it actually has a goal. There's an aim to actually make the other person sharper. The story with Tom is a bit silly because I kind of created the problem of flattery in the first place, but candor is also about helping our friends to not make stupid decisions. And I wish I had a story about me, but I'll try to be vague as I talk about my my friend that I know well. He's not here, so you don't know him. A friend of mine has a really complicated history, and it's a pretty dark one. He's he's slept around a lot. He's made some really bad mistakes, gotten into some things that he, he really has really damaged him. Um, I'm, I think I'm one of the only two people in his life that he's ever told, and um, he started dating a girl recently, oh, a while ago, and um, the relationship's been going on, and, and I caught up with him just to catch up and see how it's going, and he told me that he decided not to tell her any of this past. He told, he told me that he didn't want to tell her because he was afraid that when she found out, she would just end the relationship and that'd be done. And you can understand his hesitation to tell her, but... Also, not telling her is a terrible mistake for his relationship, right? Me knowing that he hasn't told her, what do I say? So I was honest, and I told him that if he didn't tell her everything, then it would destroy their relationship. And it hurt because he hurt, and he didn't go tell her. So what do you do? And obviously, this situation is complicated, and it's pretty... Yeah, problematic in a lot of ways, but my friend needs to hear the truth from me again and again, and I'm not going to stop fighting him on this until I actually think that it's... I'm not just going to be quiet and ignore this situation and, and let him keep going. Short term, he might hate me for this. Short term, he might hate that I'm saying, you can't do this to this girl, but long term, he's, he's going to get in way more pain if he doesn't. And that's a complicated one, but I want to ask you the question, when was the last time that you you clashed with a friend? And and it wasn't because you were angry or upset or frustrated with them, 
but just because you saw that they had something in their life that needed sharpening. They were headed for disaster or or whatever it was. Because your friends need to know what their strengths and weaknesses are. They need you to help them avoid ruin. But they also need to be able to hear it in a way that they can digest. You need candor and you need carefulness. And as Paul puts it, are you able to speak the truth in love? So we've got our last um, challenge slide up here, and I'm almost done. Are you more prone to candor or carefulness? I think when I say you need to tell your friends the truth, some of you are like, yeah, let's do it, no problem. And so when some of you hear you need to be careful, you're like, yeah, great, no problem. And maybe you need to swing more of the other balance. Maybe you need to try this week. What would it look like if I was more truthful with my friends? What would it look like if I held my tongue sometimes? Your best friends in this world will be so connected to you that even though it hurts them to do so, they will tell you the truth. They will wound you to make you sharper. Those are the friends that you want to pick in this world. So just to finish up, I want to talk about the power for friendship. It's really hard to be a good friend. To sacrifice your own goals in order to be available, to be vulnerable, to spend time required to actually deeply understand someone, to be so connected to them that it hurts you, to be willing to risk saying something hurtful that you think will help them. All of these things need and require you to be able to put their needs above your own. And this might sound cliche, but it's the truth, that unless you find your needs so radically met in Jesus, you are never going to be able to put yourself secondary to your friends. Unless Jesus' love for you on the cross becomes the most incredible thing in your life and increasingly becomes the most incredible thing in your life, you won't be able to be that amazing friend. Because it's Jesus alone that gives us the power to forget about ourselves and to actually love our neighbours. Proverbs is full of practical wisdom and, and it's all about becoming a great friend and also choosing great friends. And I hope that today you've been challenged or maybe there's one thing that you want to take into your week. But don't do it in your own strength. I really encourage you to have a chat to someone after this service and and ask them, how do they manage to be a good friend? What is it that they do that is good or bad or what have you been challenged by? It's the conversations that you're going to have after this that actually will make this listening into something practical for you. Let's try to be vulnerable with each other. Let's share something honest. Let's be real tonight. So if you just close your eyes and join me as I pray. Lord God, I just simply want to ask you that you would help us to be amazing friends. I pray that Jesus would become increasingly our greatest treasure, that our selfishness would just be washed away. I want to ask you to help us to remember whatever it is today that you want us to take away. I just want to thank you for these incredible, challenging proverbs. Amen.